listening to the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Many years ago, there was a Christian couple who had a son. And the son grew up in a really solid family. He had the backing and the love of his parents and his siblings and the extended family. It was a family of wealth. He had all of his needs met. And as he grew older, it was apparent that this son was extremely gifted. He had a charismatic personality. He was very handsome, very athletic, very charismatic. And the son would go on to have some difficulty in his late teen years. And there was this struggle of back and forth, back and forth, as often happens in those delicate teen years. As he grew into adulthood, he started to find this love for Christ again. But it was a challenge. Eventually, he would form unhealthy relationships, and it would lead to substance abuse and immoral living. He would be involved in illegal activity, and there would be a segment of his life that was spent in prison. And there were so many people in his corner cheering for him, loving him, supporting him through it all, but yet the life that he lived seemed to be a life of death. It was a life of destruction. But his family loved him nonetheless. And I imagine as a parent, there were times where they took this child and thought of all the what-ifs. What will he become? What will he be? What will he accomplish in life? Only to be met with that hurt of the decision-making of their son. To watch him, the one that they loved unconditionally, travel down a path of destruction. And as parents, being in this place of loving your son, but hating the choices he was making, and hating the suffering that he was enduring because of the choices he was making. This story is all too common. There's probably some of you here who, as I tell that story, there are different images that come to your mind. And the story is all too common, and it's common because it's really the story of us. It's the story of humanity, to one degree or another. It may not be all the details as in this particular case, but it is our story. The Bible tells us about the creation of the world. And there's a picture that opens up in Genesis where God is hovering over the chaos. And the Bible, oftentimes water imagery And troubled waters represents chaos. And so that's the picture that we receive in Genesis 1-2 as the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And it was there that God began to create the world. And His voice called out life. And He begins to create order out of this chaos. We see this beautiful picture in in the narrative of creation. We look at verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light, and there was light. In verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, and it was so, and the earth brought forth. 
Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. And it was so. And in verse 27, God creates human beings in his very image. And God's purpose and his design was that human beings would flourish in his good earth. That they would have this unique relationship with the creator and a unique relationship with one another, all living in this beautiful habitat. God's perfect design. They would grow in goodness and experience love and purity. It was not God's intent for humanity to experience life without him. Life with brokenness and despair and anguish. We as a people were gifted life and love and relationship. But we continue reading in the story and we know that things changed when humanity rebelled against the Father and humanity had so much promise. And yet it spiraled very quickly. And all of us entered into a path of self-destruction. And we were forced to live with the consequences of our actions. And the consequences of our actions was death. And death was introduced into God's good earth. And I wonder what he felt as a father. The pain and the anguish of watching your creation go down the destructive path. The ones that you had created to flourish in life were now subject to death. Death was flourishing. In the Gospel of John, there's a story where one of Jesus' close friends by the name of Lazarus became ill. And Jesus was close with Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and they lived in the village of Bethany. And when Lazarus became sick, the sisters sent this message to Jesus. Jesus, your dear friend is sick. And instead of dropping everything right away, Jesus responds to his disciples saying, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And Jesus remained where he was. A few days later, Lazarus dies, and it is at this time Jesus decides to travel to Bethany. And that takes us to John 11, beginning at verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word Jesus was coming, she, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she said, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Martha's sister Mary hears that Jesus is on his way, and she rushes out to see Jesus as well. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother 
would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. This is an important picture for us. That Jesus is experiencing this profound despair. He is experiencing it himself as he has received news that his friend is dead. But he also grieves on behalf of Lazarus' friends and family. Death was flourishing. And in this moment, Jesus is angered and he is troubled. And I believe that John is giving us insight into the heart of God. That death was not God's intent. His intent was human flourishing. And Jesus, who was there at creation, knows this full well, and now he is staring death in the face. And he knows it is not supposed to be this way. The enemy death has shown its face. Lazarus is gone, one that Jesus loved dearly. And the people that were left behind are distressed. The reality and consequences of humanity's sin was right before Jesus. And there is this mourning and this crying and this sadness, and it is truly an environment of chaos. And in that moment, Jesus says, where have you put them? And they told him, Lord, come and see. Come and see. And John records that Jesus wept. And here we see another glimpse of Jesus' humanity, that his heart is grieved and angered. And although he knows how the situation is going to end, in that moment he is captured by the pain of loss. It must have been clearly visible to everyone the extent of Jesus' weeping. Because John says the people who were standing nearby were saying, look at Jesus, look how much he loved him. But some said this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And in verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with the stone rolled across his entrance. And he said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. But Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God? if you would believe. So they rolled the stone aside. And Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you for always hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of the people who are standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. And just as the voice of God had brought life to the world in the very beginning, let earth bring forth grass, let earth bring forth every living creature, the voice of God now cried out, and Jesus Christ, Lazarus, come forth. And just as the voice of God brought life out of chaos in the beginning of creation, Jesus' voice brought life to a family in a situation that was wrecked by chaos, that was wrecked by death. And death had no choice in the matter. 
Death could not hold Lazarus. Death could not override the authority of Jesus Christ. And death was forced to surrender what God had called forth. Death's power, as strong as it was, still had limitations. And its limitations were clearly demonstrated when confronted with the reality and the power of Jesus Christ. In John 19, John records the crucifixion of Jesus. That Jesus is arrested, he's betrayed, he's accused falsely, he's beaten, he's tortured, he's subject to extreme human indignity, and then he is crucified. And after he is crucified, after he has breathed his last breath, He gave up his spirit, and afterwards, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate, who was the Roman ruler at the time, and asked if he could take Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission to do so, and Joseph came and took the body. And in John 19, beginning in verse 40, following the Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices and long sheets and linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. What a turn of events. That Jesus who had called forth Lazarus was now himself wrapped in linen and now placed in the tomb. And just as Lazarus' family and friends mourned for him, now Jesus and his followers and family mourn for Jesus. They must have been thinking, what happened? It's not supposed to be this way. Death was flourishing. How had death come in and extinguished the light of men, Jesus Christ? How has death come in and destroyed the light? How is it possible The chaos had defeated order. Death had defeated life. And for a time, it appeared that death had won, that chaos had won. But that time was temporary. John 20, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had been covering Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Jesus was alive. God the Father had resurrected his son, and I am here to tell you that this is the greatest news that the world has ever heard. The greatest news possible for people like you and me 
and all of creation. You see, God was grieved when he saw a creation that was subject to death, and it wasn't enough to be grieved. God intervened, and he made a way for those who were subject to death to experience life. He did not sit back, but he was motivated and compelled by his own will, by his own love for his creation, that he intervened. And the way that he intervened was to send his son, and the son became subject to the will of the father and freely gave his life in order to overcome death, in order to take the penalty of sin from those who would call upon Jesus Christ. And no longer would humanity have to walk this road of self-destruction. Jesus conquered death on our behalf. He did what we could not do. And his gift to all of those who will accept it is a flourishing life with him. God has given us this assurance that we accept Christ and if we place our faith and our trust in him, we would be recipients of eternal life, true life, newness of life. And we will not be overcome. We will not inherit death as our final state. In 1 Corinthians 6.14, the Apostle Paul says, And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. And in this life, we do not have to live with the uncertainty of what lies beyond. But we can have the hope and the confidence and the assurance that the one who calls life forth will also call us forth on that great day. I'm going to ask Sunette if she would join me on stage. You see, God's gift goes beyond just a future glory. The eternal life, the reality of that life exists for us this very day. And the Apostle Paul writes about this in his letter to Romans. He informs the church there in Rome that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that is living within you. And in that same letter, Paul says, for we died and we were actually buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now, now we may live new lives. And right now, this very day, there is new life for you. Not just off in the distance, at some unspecified time, but right now, in this very moment, as we have gathered here together, 2023, Resurrection Sunday, life is available for you. And it is a gift that the Father has bestowed upon those who would turn to Him and receive it. And receiving it means that we receive Him. We receive His Spirit. And we receive the joy and the goodness and the hope and the life. Life that is brought forth out of chaos. 
if you are a Christian here and in this room, on this Resurrection Sunday, I encourage you to remember the cross and the empty tomb. Remember that you have indeed been delivered from death itself. And as you live this life in the brokenness of the world, which will seem chaotic at times, just know that you can find joy in the assurance of your salvation. Remember, remember, remember to take a hold of this new life and daily be refreshed in the presence of God's Spirit. For those who consider themselves Christians, but they are saying, I'm just in a dry spell. I feel like my relationship with God is stale. I feel that there is no joy, no newness of life. I pray that God would refresh you today, that on this Resurrection Sunday, the Spirit of God would move in your life and you would experience renewal. That from your belly would once again pour rivers of living water. And waters that satisfy, waters that quench, waters that are available for the people of God who are in right relationship with Him. I pray that you would experience it and receive life once again this very day. And for those who are not yet a Christian, the call today goes out to you that you would know Him. Not that you would just know about Him. Not that you would just be familiar with the stories of Jesus, but the fact that you would know him and experience him and love him and surrender to him this very day. That is the call that goes out. You see, God is a God of action and he intervened with great love and he has given us the opportunity to leave everything behind, that which is old, and to begin walk in newness of life. To walk in his life. And the incredible thing is that it doesn't matter what your history is. The same power that raised Christ from the dead possesses the power to wipe away your sin and to remove it from you. It no longer needs to be a stain upon your life. That is the power of God and the power of his gift to the world. The power that brought Jesus back from the dead can cleanse you of that sin. The heart of the Heavenly Father is to see His creation flourish and walk in eternal life. And that was His plan all along. That was His plan from the beginning. If you're not a Christian and this morning you feel that your heart is being stirred, the Bible tells us that when the truth is declared and spoken, the Spirit begins to move in the lives of people. And what you are experiencing today is the call of the Spirit to be in right relationship with a God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And if that's you and you don't know what to do, you think, how do I, how do I even pray? You don't need polished words. You simply call out to Him this morning. And you acknowledge that you need him. And today, this very day, you can receive life. If you need some help putting these words together as I pray to close our service, 
we want to put a prayer on the screen. And it's just a guide to help you maybe put words to what you are experiencing here in this moment. And so what I want to do is put that prayer on the screen. And let's just have a moment of silence. If you are a believer, can you just remember and reflect on the goodness of God? If you're at a place where you're in a dry season, would you ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you? And if you are here visiting us today and you are not a Christian, would you consider the incredible love that God has for you this morning? Let us just take a moment. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.